Okay, so I'm going to try to take uh, Job chapter 23 and 24 together um, because it's it's another long speech, um, and Job's gonna he's gonna once again tell his friends that they're completely wrong in their advice. And I know we've heard this over and over again as we go through Job, um, but it's really what the book's about. And here we're quickly approaching uh, the the chapters where. Uh, Job and his friends stop talking, and then uh, a new character is introduced to the story, Elihu, and he's going to speak for a few chapters, and then the Lord is going to come himself, show up and speak. Um, but here, Job is disparaging uh, God's justice itself, uh, based on what uh, was said in the previous chapter. Um, you know, for 20-something chapters, Job's friends have been telling him that God is just and righteous, and that means that all the wicked will always suffer punishment in this life, and all those who are righteous before God will always experience nothing but blessing and good things in this life. So uh, I can imagine that Job, you know, he's getting he's getting pretty tired of hearing the same old things over and over again. Um, I know (laughs) you can, as you're listening, you can even get tired of hearing the same old things over and over again. Um, He's told his friends every way he knows how that, you know, he's done nothing that he knows of that would bring down God's wrath upon him. Um, In fact, he's he's repeatedly told him that his faith and the promises of God and his sacrifice would cover his sin and the sins of his family. And therefore, he cannot accept the the fact that God has all of a sudden uh, changed his mind or or something or whatever they're thinking. Uh, He can't accept the fact that God would go back on his word and suddenly not accept the sacrifices that he offered, the faith that he offered. So as we start looking at... uh, chapter 23 and chapter 24 uh we're gonna go kind of quick but job seems like he's uh he's been affected by the repeated assertions the friends have been making he is uh he's constantly hearing about how god will never let the wicked prosper and and will never let the righteous suffer in this life but um you know if they're right uh and job just can't accept that fact then this would mean that god is not just because his word and his promises change if if they're right um then what what job would have to accept is that god once told him his sacrifices and his faith were enough and now god has changed his mind therefore he's untrustworthy and unjust so here job is going to declare that he's confident that he'll be vindicated uh, when God finally comes to hear his case. Um, but as he enters chapter 24, he's also wondering why God is delaying his judgment. You know, why does God seem silent when all this suffering is going on, when my friends are adding to my suffering? Uh, why is he letting the wicked go around uh, unpunished? These are the things that Job is going to bemoan. So as we enter chapter 24, um, he's going to... Um, start even questioning the justice of God. Where are you? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you uh, coming to my defense? You know, and so just starting in uh, chapter 23, just to get going, it says, Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. He, here he's, he admits that he's, you know, he's starting to get consumed 
with uh, with this bitterness. You know, in fact, I really don't know how any feeling person could blame him. I mean, uh, if you've ever gone through, you know, any kind of suffering that's uh, been sustained, you know, anybody can go through suffering for a day, but you let that suffering continue on and on and on. It it takes a toll. It takes a toll on your emotions. It takes a toll on your spiritual state, on your um, on your outlook on life. It takes a toll on just about every part of your being. Uh, and Job is, you know, he's not only gone through the worst suffering imaginable, but now he's got to endure the stupidity and this terrible advice of his friends who are trying to get him to deny the very promises of God that have kept him thus far. So even the only hope that he has, his friends are trying to take that hope away from him. So what we can't miss through all of this is that Job is going, he's going through severe agony and he is making He's going to be making blanket statements like saying, you know, his hand is heavy. He he means that he's he's speaking hard things because he is experiencing, you know, such a groaning of his soul. He's he's tired of going through all this, you know, especially since his friends seem to be just adding to the pain over and over again. He's he's sick of it and he's he's ready to uh, he's ready to take his case before God and just have him decide he says oh verse 3 says oh that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat he's talking about God I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments the one thing that Job desires more than anything else is that God would come and hear his case. He wants God to come and to uh, and take the judgment seat and let Job uh, lay out his case and his argument. Job knows uh, that he has sinned. He knows that he's sinned, but he also knows that he is trusted in the sacrifices God commanded. So he believes that God will have to answer as to why he allowed this punishment to fall. And Job knows he'll be vindicated because God must keep his word. Verse 5 says, I would know what he would answer me. I want to know and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. He knows that God would uh, judge him innocent because he has kept uh, faith in God. He has kept the sacrifices that were demanded of him as a covering for his sin that pointed toward the true sacrifice that was coming. He trusts that he would be acquitted, you know, if God would just come and hear the case. Uh, He understands that an upright man, which he believes he is, can bring his case to God. God have to pay attention to him because Job has done all he could do to keep God's word. Job is letting his friends know that he fully intends to have God hear his case. And it really doesn't matter what they think or what advice they can come up with. He knows what he has done and he knows what God has said. And nothing that his friends say can can change his mind. And I'm, I'm sure that anyone who's suffered or counseled someone who's suffering can see the... Um, just the toll that it takes, the 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 bitterness that that wells up, the the uh, the spirit that says, you know, why has this happened to me? It's so unfair. How could God do this to me? You know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ, and yet God has uh, released all this suffering into my life, and and all these things. And then you got these other guys that are coming 
to him and they're saying, well, it's because you're wicked and you need to repent when the reality is that uh, Job had been faithful. Even in the very first chapter, it told us about Job's faithful sacrifices every single day. He would offer sacrifices for him and his family. And of course, he did that, you know, by God's command. That's what God had commanded that 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 would happen. And so, you know, the the only problem that Job sees now is that God just won't come and hear his case. He doesn't know how to compel God to come arbitrate arbitrate between his friends and himself. Um, he says in verse 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. It seems like no matter what Job says or where Job looks, he just can't find God. He can't find the judge that he wants to hear his case. He searches everywhere, forward, backward, you know, but he's not... He's nowhere to be found. Job wants, he wants nothing more than to have his case heard by the judge. But it seems that the judge is just not interested in bothering with Job and all his problems. Um, uh, uh, you ever felt that way? I mean, ever felt like God is just somewhere far off, unconcerned about all the struggles and the things that are going on in your life? Um you know, it, it's a common thing for people to feel this way when we don't understand what God is doing through, you know, through all the things that we go through. But you and I both know that God has not hidden himself from Job. Uh, on the contrary, God has done nothing in this book but commend Job for his faithfulness and his devotion. So we know that Job has not been left alone. We know that Job is not turned over uh, to suffering because he's being punished. Uh, God promised his people that he would never leave us and he never forsake us. But that promise, it's really tested in our minds uh, when it seems like our prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. It's a, it's a hard thing for many people to understand, but this is where the war of the Christian life happens. Uh, we have to fight to believe the promises of God. Um, you know, and that, that sounds strange because you either believe or you don't believe, but uh, fear, doubt, worry, uh, circumstances, things, they, they come up all around us. Depression, despair, these are things that we fight against and we fight them by choosing and choosing to believe, by setting our mind on the things above, by turning our affections toward God. Even, you know, when everything we see and hear tells us that we're wrong and the uh, things are not the way God says they are, we fight to trust in the word of God over our own hearts even. Um, in this instance, Job's friends might well represent the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, they seem like their advice is for Job's good, and they seem like they want to give Job good things, but it's all a charade. Um, if Job takes what they're offering, he'll be denying the very promises that God made him. He'll be denying the very faithfulness of God. He'll be denying the very word of God who promised forgiveness through those faithful sacrifices. Um, make no mistake, Job is in an all-out war. He's fighting to hold fast to the faith of his God uh, as everything around him and everything he's going through is telling him, just let go and start working to earn your way back into God's blessing. Uh, and that's basically what Satan told God Job would do. He said, you take everything from Job, he'll curse you to your face. He won't believe you anymore. Uh, he'll go back to the beginning and start trying to earn it. 
Um, and so that's what Job is not going to do. This is, you know, it's just a fight we have as well. Everything tells us that God's way is not the best way, that he's not really looking out for our good. But God himself says that, you know, that's not true and that we have to we have a battle to either believe what God says or believe what our own hearts, which are sinful and wicked, tell us. Job is he's fighting to believe he he declares that. You know, he knows God will keep his word. And when God hears his case, he will be vindicated. In verse 10, he says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. You see, Even in the face of all that his friends are trying to explain to him, Job holds fast to his belief that he's innocent in God's eyes. Not because he's never sinned. By offering sacrifices in the first chapter, Job has basically admitted to us that he has sinned. Uh, If he had never sinned, he would need no sacrifices. He would need to offer no sacrifices for him and his family. But what he says here is that He's treasured the commands and the words of God. He has followed what God has said. He has been devoted and faithful. He's offered the prescribed and the correct sacrifices for himself and his family. And this is a man who deeply loved God and deeply loved God's word. Because of this, Job is he's choosing to fight for his belief. He's choosing to fight. Uh, to trust in the word of God. He's choosing to trust that God's word is unchangeable and that his friends are just wrong. Uh, He's choosing to believe that his own heart and his own doubts are wrong. He's choosing to believe that even his circumstances of suffering, the pain, the literal pain that he's going through, is wrong. The only true thing he holds to is the word of the living God. You know, oh, what a world this would be if if everyone who calls himself by the name of Christ would hold fast to God's word in the face of all that would deny it, in the face of all the suffering that comes against us, all the persecution, all the 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 things of the world, the trinkets of the world, the uh, the bad circumstances that come into our life. What a world it would be. What a church it would be. Um, Job is confident that he is in the right, but he also knows that God is sovereign over all things. And what God says goes, no matter what. And so he says in verse 13, he says, but but he remember, he's just said that when God tries me now, I'm going to come out in the right. Verse 13, he says, but he is unchangeable and who can turn him back? What he desires that he does, for he will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. Job's point here is that he believes completely in the promises of God and knows that he'll be vindicated, but he also knows that nothing happens without God allowing it. So he knows that all you know, all that's happening is somehow within God's plan. He believes he's innocent and he'll be vindicated. Uh, but he also knows that, that all of this is not outside of God's plan. It's not outside of his hands like his friends are saying, you know, God can't do anything as long as you're as wicked as you are. You've got to turn back to him. Otherwise, he can't do anything. Job, like many of us today, is he's having trouble reconciling these two truths. Nothing happens in the universe that God doesn't allow for a reason, for a good reason. And yet Job feels like he's been wronged and must be vindicated. So... 
you know, how can he reconcile what he knows to be true with the kingship and sovereignty of God? God has allowed this to happen to Job, and Job wants to know why. Of course, we know why, because we are the readers of the book, but Job doesn't at this point. He knows it can't be because God has gone back on his word and decided to punish Job, but he doesn't see another alternative. Um, and, and this leads Job to a terror and a dread of God. He he just doesn't understand why God would do this. In verse 15 it says, Therefore I am terrified at his presence. When I can... Excuse me, excuse me. When I consider, I am in dread of him. Uh, Verse 16 says, God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. He he actually, um, he, he says that he actually fears that God will come and decide his case. But this dread and terror in his heart can't silence him. I mean, he must hold fast to what God has said. He has nothing else to hold on to than the promise of the Word of God. So even though there is a great fear in his heart, and he is dreading standing before an ultimate and holy God, he he can't leave off his search. He can't stop. He can't stop calling for vindication. Um, This is the only hope that he has left. So he won't be silent. He says, I cannot be silent. Not only is he fighting to believe the word of God, you know, he's fighting his own fears as well. But why is Job afraid? If he's holding fast to the promises, why is he afraid? Why does Job have to fear? Or, you know, why does he why does he have to fear if God is if God is just and Job has held fast to God's ways, what what does he have to be afraid of? Well, it seems to me that Job is afraid because you know, when he looks around the world, it it just doesn't seem like God is all that interested in justice. And here's where Job is going to uh, he's going to veer off track just a bit. He's uh, you got to understand he's he's locked in battle with his own understandings of God. He he knows that he he he'll be vindicated. He knows he's in the right. He knows he hasn't veered off of what God said. But fear is creeping upon him because. When he looks around, it seems that the wicked are prospering and God isn't doing anything about it. Uh, does this mean that God has left off from his justice? You know, does it mean God no longer punishes the wicked and rewards the righteous? Uh, the experience of Job's life seems to indicate that God doesn't worry too much about justice anymore. And that fact, although we know that it's not true, and Job is going to uh, be assured by the end of the book that that's not true, um, but that fact brings fear and terror into Job's heart. But he simply cannot stop his quest to understand why. Job, he speaks about what he sees when he looks around the world in chapter 24. He says, in verse 1, he says, Why are not times of judgment kept by the Almighty? And why do those who know him never see his days? He knows he knows God is just and always keeps his word. But why then is God withholding justice upon the wicked? These are the questions Job is asking. Why does God allow righteous people to suffer while it looks like, I mean, you look around the world, it seems like the wicked are just going unpunished. I mean, doesn't God see all this going on? In verse 2 it says, Some move landmarks. They seize 
flocks and pasture them. They drive, he's talking about wicked people, they drive away the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They thrust the poor off the road. The poor of the earth all hide themselves. Um, From Job's point of view, when he looks around, it seems that the wicked are running rampant all over the earth. They're taking the flocks away from people, moving landmarks. They're they're oppressing the orphans and the widows, and they're oppressing the poor. Uh, this is what people are doing. And if Job's friends and their advice are right, then why is all all this wicked going on unhindered? You know, if Job's friends are right. Uh, why is this happening? Why has God let them get away with all this suffering? Has God left off from administering justice? Job continues by showing that not only are the wicked prospering unhindered, but the poor are the ones who are suffering instead of the wicked. Now remember, the, the friend's claim has always been that it's, oh, the wicked will always suffer in this life, and the righteous will always prosper in this life. But yet Job's going to show in verses 5 through 8 that it's really the poor that are the ones suffering under the boot of the wicked. Verse 5 says, Behold, like wild donkeys in the desert, the poor go out to their toil seeking game. The wasteland yields food for their children. They gather their fodder in the field and they glean the vineyard of the wicked man. They lie all night naked without clothing and have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the rain of the mountains and cling to the rock for lack of shelter. They lack shelter. They suffer nakedness in the cold. They live off the scraps of the wicked. Why is God not helping them? If God rewards the just and prospers the righteous, then why are the poor and oppressed suffering so greatly while the wicked ones are the ones that are oppressing him. The more Job thinks about the way the world seems to be, the more fearful he becomes about how God is acting in the world. So, you know, according to his friend's advice. He still desires to have his case heard, but from the way things look, there's no guarantee that he'll get the result he desires. His friends have told him, the righteous always prosper. But the more Job looks around, he sees that that, that, that just isn't the case. Job continues describing this when he says, They are those who snatch the fatherless child from the breast and they take a pledge against the poor. They go about naked without clothing, hungry. They carry sheaves among the olive rows of the wicked they make oil and tread the wine press, but suffer thirst. And all this going on, it just doesn't seem like God is answering the cries of the oppressed. Verse 12 says, From out of the city the dying groan and the soul of the wounded cries for help, yet God charges no one with wrong. Now see, now Job's getting to the meat of his point. Why is God not charging all these people with wrongdoing? If God is punishing Job, as his friends say that he is, where is the justice for all these evil men who are taking advantage of the poor and helpless? How can Job be suffering when he has done none of these things? His case will be heard by God, but but Job is starting to wonder, you know, even if that'll do any good. And here's where we see him moving off center. He's he he's bitterness is creeping in, doubt, fear is creeping in. It seems to him that God has decided to let the wicked go unpunished. And this is something he just can't understand. You know, in the final section of this chapter, Job is going to emphatically state that God is simply not punishing the wicked the way that his friends 
have said that God is. Uh, the wicked are doing exactly what they want, and they're doing it as much as they want. <clears throat> Verse 13 says, There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways, and do not stay in its paths. The murderer rises before its, before its light, that he may kill the poor and needy. And in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer also waits for the twilight, saying, No eye will see me. And he veils his face. In the dark they dig through houses. By day they shut themselves up. They do not know the light. For deep darkness is morning to all of them. And they are friends with the terrors of deep darkness. The wicked are as happy as they can be in their wickedness. And there doesn't seem to be any justice happening to them at all in this world, in this life. They seem to be doing just fine. Job is directly contradicting his friend's counsel here, but Job is not giving up hope just yet. He's still holding to the promise of God. Remember? Um, So we know that even though he doesn't see God's justice active and working right now, that doesn't mean that it's not there. Uh, First, he says that the wicked aren't being punished immediately at the present time. Verse 18 says, he's talking to his friends here. He says, you say, swift are they on the face of the waters. Their portion is cursed in the land. No treader turns toward their vineyards. You say, this is verse 19, drought and heat snatch away the snow waters. So does Sheol, those who have sinned. He's saying that Sheol snatches those who have sinned. Verse 20 is continuing the thought. He's saying that the friends have said the womb forgets them. The worm finds them sweet. They are no longer remembered. So wickedness is broken like a tree. Uh, he, He is mocking his friends' counsel. He is quoting them and showing them what they've said about the wicked, but he also knows, uh, shows them that God is not punishing them right now. <clears throat> In verse 21, he says, he comes back and says, They wrong the barren, childless woman, and do no good to the widow, yet God prolongs the life of the mighty by his power. They rise up when they despair of life. He gives them security. And they are supported, and his eyes are upon their ways. They are exalted a little while, and then are gone. They're brought low and gathered up like all the others. They're cut off like the heads of grain. In the <clears throat> the final verse of the statement, it seems that Job is he understands that justice will come, but there will be a time when they're cut off. But it's not now. It's surely not now. Um, he's telling them, you know, you've said that all these things happen to the the wicked, but the wicked are just doing all that they want to do, and it seems like God is giving them security. God's supporting them. God is keeping a watchful eye over them. They're exalted a little while, and then they're gone, just like everybody else. Wicked and the righteous together. They're all brought low. They're all covered with the dirt. Finally, he's going to end with a challenge to his friends. He asks his friends to prove him to be a liar if they're able. Verse 25 says, If it is not so, who will prove me a liar and show that there is nothing in what I say? Job is a very complex fellow. On the one hand, he knows God is just and vindicates the righteous, but he also knows that it doesn't seem like God is dispensing out justice right at the moment. 
even in the midst of his fear and trepidation about what God will say when he comes to hear his case, he has no choice but to trust God's word and to bring his case before him. What an example we have here of a man who trusts God's word when everything else in his life is telling him that God's word is not trustworthy. <clears throat> Think of it this way. You know, when you go through suffering as a believer, you're trusting in God's word, that Christ is enough, grace is sufficient, and that um, that he will see you uh, justified at the judgment bar uh, when you stand before him, uh, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross, uh, because Christ rose from the dead in your stead. <clears throat> but as that time comes, as the moment approaches, and being a hospital chaplain, I can attest to the fact that uh, 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 been around the bedside of many who have gone on to be with the Lord, um, when that time approaches, um, there there's fear, there's worry, there's 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 uh, trepidation. There's you know, especially especially when you know the doctor comes in and says, you know what, this is it. You know, it's it's it. We've done all we can do, and there's nothing else that we can do. Uh, when you get news like that, everything inside you wells up in fear and, and doubt and worry and horror, and all these things just spring up inside of you, and they just they try to take over who you are. They try to take over your mind, spiral you down into despair, depression, fear, uh, panic. Those things just rise up in you. And it's a fight to believe uh, the promises of God. That even though, even though, you know, I may lose my life here, even though I may, whatever it is that I'm suffering from may take me from this earthly body. Uh, God's promises are true and they're real. And he will give me a heavenly body and I will live forever with him. And, and those things are promises that we have to fight to believe. Uh, we have to fight to believe them, especially when things are not going good, when we are going through suffering and all kind of things are coming against us.